You've seen the big plays. Jaron stepping to his right, looking, looking, stopping, firing, end zone, touchdown! You've heard what the playmakers and coaches have had to say. Up for a three. Got it! But now it's time to go behind the mic with BYU Sports Broadcasters to get their distinctive take on the games. Oh, what an aggressive play! This is Behind the Mic with host Cleon Wall. This episode's a bit of a hodgepodge. No theme this week, but I was fascinated with two things recently that are totally not related. Football Senior Day and the college golf season. Cougar senior golfer Carson Lundell will join me later to talk about the oddity that is the college golf season. But first, the final home game of the season for the BYU football team. The outcome has not always been interesting because the Cougars have played a lot of cupcakes. But I'm always fascinated with the emotions of the departing players and the anticipation of seeing bench players who might actually get some playing time. So I went to Riley Nelson for some insight. I first quiz him on what he remembers from his final game at Edwards Stadium 10 years ago. Who was your opponent on senior day? The Idaho Vandals. You are correct, yes. What was the final score? Oh, yeah. Good question. A lot to a little. They weren't very good that year. <laughs> you are correct. BYU won 52-13. to 13. Uh, How many yards did you pass for in the victory? Yeah, I only played the first half because uh, both James and I were seniors together, two senior quarterbacks who shared our careers. So I got two quarters and he got two quarters. I knew I, th- I know I threw three touchdowns in the first half. Um, and uh, that was actually my max is it. Sorry, I'm, I'm uh, elaborating a little bit too much here, but that was my, <laughs> that was the most I ever threw in a game. Uh, at BYU, and uh, I and I did it, you know, I think four or five times. And I remember Max Hall, who was uh, an assistant coach with us, was advocating for Doman to put me in for one, j- j- for at least one drive the second half, so I could, you know, get four in a game. But I got three. I, I'd say I, I pr- we probably got a lot of short fields because our defense was real good. I don't know, maybe like two twenty, two thirty, somewhere around. Wow, there. good job, two hundred thirty-six yards. Were all three touchdowns to Cody? That was going to be my question to you is, do you know who, who caught your touchdown passes? And it, you uh, think I, it's Cody? I, I, well, no, I have, I have a memory of two. I threw a fade. I threw a fade to him on one. And then another one I threw to him on a slant, both in goal line situations. Um, that was Max's doing, too. That year we were pretty good down on the goal line running the ball. But uh, but Max influenced Dolman to be like, come on, it's a senior night. Give the guy, you know, let's not run it in every time. But give the guy some some stats. Give him some passing touchdowns. So I remember those two. Um, I don't. I oh, uh, maybe the third was a long one where like Cody caught it, bent like bent over, being pi'd in the end zone, bent over his back. Now, I don't remember who the third one was. Who was it? You actually, you were correct. Cody Cody Hoffman caught all three touchdown passes by you. Yep. So you he, did re- he was an amazing player, man. You did really good. I, I was going to ask how many passes you, touchdown passes you threw, but you knew that automatically. So what what were you thinking coming into that last game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium? Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. And I, and I think I'll just be straight up uh, truthful because I also feel like this uh, 2022 season shares a lot in common with uh, my season in 2012. Uh, we had been through the ring. We lost to some really good teams. You know, a lot of them are the same, right? You know, this team lost to Oregon. We lost to Oregon state. We both lost to Notre Dame, you know, and a lot of ours were close, were uh, close losses. I know of our losses that year, four of the five 
were um, all by less than a touchdown. I think all were less than three points. Anyway, so going into that game, which wasn't our final game of the season, I believe New Mexico State was, so it was similar to this. It was our home game against an opponent who we were going to whoop on. And, and at the time, you know, we were right around 500. So it, it was uh, a couple of things. One, the, the emotion, of course, just gratitude for the opportunity to play college football. My dream uh, as I was growing up was to be a Logan High Grizzly. And then once I accomplished that dream, my next dream was to play college football. And uh, I kind of took it step by step. And, I, and I'll be honest, I, I mean, anybody who's seen me or met me, uh, I'm a six foot somewhere, you know, back in the playing days, I was north of 200 pounds. But now that I'm not lifting all the time, I'm around 190 pound kind of average white guy from Logan, Utah. So the fact that I got to represent BYU and do it on a national stage and play in so many games, gratitude was the first uh, overwhelming emotion. But it was also conflicted by it was a time to reflect. Uh, I felt good about my career, but that season in particular, the ball could have bounced so many different ways. You know, we missed three field goals at the end of the Utah game, and we go for it for two against Boise and don't get it and lose by one. And, uh, you know, Notre Dame, we we missed a field goal in the fourth quarter and missed, a, you know, an open catch in the back of the end zone and and all those things. So that that the, the gratitude was the overwhelming emotion, but the, the other one was like, Man, the senior season had some things bounced. Our had the ball bounced the other way. Uh, could have been a lot differently, and it wasn't all just to play on the field. I mean, our offense had been decimated with injuries. But again, another storyline with this 2022 team. They battled injuries throughout. They've they've done their best to valiantly go, but just as the season's gone on, you know, they've whittled away. Ours happened to be on the offensive line, but I look at it like maybe like this team looks at linebackers. By the time we got to that Idaho game on senior night, we were. Uh, of our original eight offensive linemen that, that went through fall camp as, you know, your top eight, I think we only had two, two left, right? Oh, wow. we, had, we had two, yeah, we had two or three guys in the offensive line that started the season on scout team. And anyway, Cleon, I'm rambling, uh, but as you can <laughs> see, the, the emotions, the emotions run deep that a decade later, uh, I'm still having trouble sorting through them all. Well, what, what was your lasting memory on the field and off the field? Cause as you said, you only played a half, but also, you know, you've got coming into the game, you're out practicing, you know, after you're, you're pulled, you're, you're kind of standing on the sidelines with guys. And then you, you know, you receive your blanket, you get honored, you get to meet with friends and family afterwards. What, what are your lasting memories, both on the field and off the field from that game? So we, uh, for those that, you know, if, if you want to go back or those that may have been there, remembered we had snow piled up on the side of the field. It wasn't a huge storm, but it was enough that when you go back and you watch the highlights of the film, there was snow piled up. We were an 8.30 kick um, uh, because we were – it wasn't our FCS opponent, which is normally broadcast on BYU TV, and they stick that at one. That had happened earlier that year against Weber State. So we were, we were the ESPN2 or ESPNU game on the 8.30 slot, and uh, I think temperature at kick was somewhere in the 20s. And like I said, snow piled up, and as I looked around the stadium – we, and like I said, we had been tough losses. We were about 500, and uh, yet there were still 50, 55,000 strong uh, of the BYU faithful and, and the supporters and the fans. And so I do remember, you know, looking up and around and all the support that they had shown, shown me um, and just being overwhelmingly grateful that I happened to be on the receiving end 
uh, of that passion and dedication from the fan base. That was probably my biggest, um, biggest impression on the field. As you mentioned, kind of in the second half after I'd been taken out. And then as we got into the locker room, of course, it was overwhelming gratitude and appreciation for my teammates and friends and, you know, brothers is it's 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 used as a as, as a common term so much nowadays with social media. In other words, that I think it's lost a lot of its um, it's lost maybe a lot of its original meaning. But it is true. My my teammates in my locker room that after the game, when we got to go and that we, we graduated and finished our careers at BYU together, they I mean anything I would do for my actual blood brothers, my actual two, you know, biological brothers, I would do for any of those guys in the locker room. So those were the two lasting impressions. One for the fan base and support and all of Cougar Nation. The second was the guys that I had the great fortune to share the field with. You had mentioned that James Lark played the second half. We're more than likely going to see Jacob Conover in this game. What would you like to see from him when he takes the field? Because, He's going to be one of the guys in line probably for the quarterback job next year as long as Jaron Hall says, see you later, and decides uh, he wants to go professional. When I backed up Max Hall, uh, I get, we were up 42 nothing at halftime at Tulane, and uh, they came out and Max actually got the next two drives, which basically was the third quarter. I, I got in a drive very into the third quarter that shuttled the third and the fourth. So this was back in 2009. But Max didn't throw the ball those first two drives. But it was, it was the second game of the season, and um, they wanted the offense to the first-team offense to get a lot of work. The reason why I say that is, as a backup quarterback, that was the game in which I got the most opportunities to throw the football. And uh, I got, I believe, uh, I believe I got about six attempts. And you're not going to get your – it's rare that they're going to give you any shots. Rather, you're going to be asked to do mostly the quick game, manage the quick game, you know, throwing slants and – and tight end sticks and things like that. And then maybe if you get in a third long situation, because uh, some early down runs haven't been successful, maybe you get a chance to execute an intermediate passing game in, in a third long or so. Uh, and so the biggest thing that you're looking for in a young quarterback in those situations is decisiveness. Does he get the ball out of his hand? A couple of things. A, did, you know, does it look like he's got a handle on what he's seeing pre-snap? B, are his eyes right? And is he processing information once the ball is snapped? And then C, based off the information that he sees and processes, uh, does he get the ball out of his hand? And then D, the last part is once the ball comes out of his hand, is it is it accurate and on time? So so that's the main thing from quarterback. But then also there's a secondary: is he leading the guys? Are the guys responding to him? Is he getting in and out of the huddle? Is he snapping the ball in, on time? Right? We're not having false starts. We're not having fumbled exchanges. We're not having delay a game we're not having to burn timeouts because we're at risk of getting a delay a game those are uh it, it it doesn't feel like a lot initially but those are really the basics and stepping stones that when backup quarterbacks get their opportunities and blow out games that's really you know the package that you want to see from them riley thanks a lot for joining uh, behind the mic you bet thanks always a pleasure cleon coming up next why carson lundell doesn't mind the wacky golf season Welcome back to Behind the Mic. The college golf season is not like football or basketball. You start in September, stop in October, and then start back up again around February. Seems a bit disruptive. 
But BYU senior golfer Carson Lundell says it's actually good to have a break. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, golf is such a unique sport because it's, I mean, honestly, it's almost year-round. So yeah, we start in, in, the, in the fall, but the entire summer, everyone's playing tournaments all over the country. And so... It doesn't. It doesn't really stop. It goes from January, and then with BYU we end in May, and then from May to September it's all you know amateur individual stuff, and then it's like you know a week off, and then bang, hop right into everything for college golf. Um, and so honestly, like this break that we have from November and December, for me, like it's like I think it's extremely necessary um, just to you know. You know, just kind of like take a back seat, chill out for a little bit and, you know, just to pre- really prevent, you know, the burnout factor because it, like I said, it doesn't stop. Like, you know, we're traveling every other week for almost the whole year. Um, but yeah, so I think that it's just like, it, it's really good that we have a break and, you know, we can all kind of reset and then, you know, come December. And I mean, personally, yeah, for me, like, I'm not going to touch a club for a month. Like, that's just what I told myself, like. Like, you know, I just want to take a break, you know, get, you know, work out, you know, work on my body, get strong and, and do the things I need to do to be prepared for next year. Before we get into what you do during those two months, and you kind of explained a little bit of it, but I, I have a few more questions on that. How does the split season affect whether or you not you make it into the NCAA regionals? Yeah, man, that's such a good question. I, I mean, I'm not sure how, how the, uh, the golf stack committee kind of ranks everything it feels like the fall is like like you can't win it but but you can lose it if that makes sense like if you don't perform pretty good in the fall then i mean you're you're behind the eight ball and back against the wall the entire spring whereas if you have a have a decent fall and put yourself in good position then i mean you know the spring i feel like is is weighted a little bit differently and you can really make some jumps and moves. You participated in five events in the fall. You finished tied for third twice. You and your assessment, how do you think you fared? Um, well, that's that's a tough question because I just I have such high expectations of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just honestly I didn't feel like like I you know nearly lived up to the you know the, the expectation I have of myself and. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it was a bummer, but I just, you know, nothing, it didn't really click for me. You know, I, the short game was off one week, you know, the driver would be off and, and nothing really came together. It, but, you know, it was great because I, I had great rounds. You know, I had, I shot eight under with a double bogey at TPC Colorado. <laughs> and that was the best round I've probably had in all of college. Or, and then in New Mexico, you know, I had a horrible first day of 36 holes and then, you know, I was able to bounce back with the bogey-free 65, 7. And so I was like, you know, there were a lot of positives to gain from it as well. St. Mary's Invitational, you finished 12th. But y- yeah. you get to play in Pebble Beach, California at the Poppy Hills Golf Course. Is that the toughest course you play, you've played as a member of the BYU golf team? And if not, w- which one is the toughest? Because I just think, I-, I was looking at some pictures before I interviewed you, and I'm like, man, that place looks gorgeous. So I- I'm just curious, beauty, toughness, what, what what's... What's the best course you've you've played at, or, you, or maybe the toughest course I should say you've played at? Yeah, that's a good. Poppy Hills is it's a tough track because you have to be extremely precise off the tee, and uh, if you're not, then you're in the I mean, pretty much like the wilderness. Like there's just <laughs> big old trees and and pine straw, and you just got to navigate your way out. And so Poppy Hills is up there. Um, I would say the hardest. I mean, Pasatiempo is in the spring is always 
fantastic test. Now, where's that located? That's in Santa Cruz. Okay. And then uh, the hardest course I've ever played in college has got to be uh, the Blessings Club in uh, Arkansas, where we played the national championship my freshman year. That was that was a beast of a course. You talked about that you're going to take, you said the month of December off, is yeah. that right? Uh, November. 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 I'm sorry. You're yeah. taking the month of November off. Um, when you do get things back up and going, because you're not going to play your next tournament until I think January 30th in Tucson, what do you do for December and the start of January? Because more than likely here in Utah, we're going to have snow on the ground or it's going to be really cold outside. Yeah. So, so as I mentioned, all of November, I'm just going to, you know, kind of chill and just, and, you know, try to just work on, you know, my body and, and make sure it's healthy and right for, for the spring. And then December, probably second week of December, I'll start to play again. I'll hit balls, you know, at our facility and I'll probably go down to St. George and Vegas every weekend. But, uh, I, I'm playing in a tournament. I think it's like two days after Christmas. It's, it's, uh, it's in Arizona. It's called the Patriot all American. And so I'll just, you know, I need to be prepared for that. And so I'll give myself about three weeks to get dialed back in. And then from there, you know, we start probably practices, you know, almost the first week we're home off break and then it's, you know, full go. So what's it like? You you said practice here at the facility. Is that like you practice indoors? You're practicing your swing. What do you mean when you say practice here at the facility? Yeah, so so we got a we got a pretty pretty new indoor facility over at Fox Hollow and American Fork, and it's got hitting bays where you can open up garages and pound balls out, and it's got a bunch of heaters. I think it's got, I mean, I could be way off, but I think it's like a fifteen hundred foot or square foot putting green in there. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's got everything we need, you know, and it's, you know, we're just super, super lucky to have that and have access to that in the winter time, you know, because otherwise we're in the indoor football field hitting off (laughs) artificial, well, I guess we're hitting off that anyways, but I mean, you can only see the ball go a hundred yards or 80 yards. So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of what, what we'll do in the, in the winter. What, what, what is that experience like? Because I mean, I really haven't done, I play golf before and I'm not very good, but I mean, what's that like going from natural conditions, you're outside to now you're just like, well, I'm hitting off of some turf Mm -hmm. going into the outside, even if you're at Fox Hollow, but, but still, it's gotta be weird. It's, it it can't be the same. What, what is it like when you, when you guys are practicing at these facilities? Yeah, no, it's absolutely different. I mean, you can hit an inch behind the ball on turf and the ball can fly good. And if you hit an inch behind the ball on grass, that's going to go, you know, a fourth of what, of the distance it would go, um, originally. And so, but I mean, it's really just about the reps, you know, and just, just making sure everything's fine tuned. And I mean, you, a lot of video work and, and just, you know, mechanical stuff and, and just, you know, m- maybe not as much the ball flight just because the impact and the, and the, uh, what do you call it? The, the, uh, yeah, just the impact is different and the compression of the ball. And so, yeah, it's it's not identical, but it's just about it's about the reps. So then, but you said on weekends, you go down to St. George yeah, or Las Vegas. Yeah. How much golf do you get in when you go down to these places? As much as I possibly can. So we're talking what, like like on a Saturday if you go down, are you talking like 36 holes or what, what are you trying to do? Yeah, I'll probably practice for three or four hours and play 18. That would be kind of like an ideal Saturday in St. George or Las Vegas. What favorite place to practice at in one of those places? Um, Sand Hollow is amazing. They've, they've got a, an awesome practice facility, an amazing range. That's really good. Um, 
and Trot is great, but they've they've been doing a bunch of renovations and mm-hmm. it just opened up again. And and so I'm excited to to go out and see what that's like. And then there's a new one. I think it's called it's like Black Desert or Black Rock out kind of by Entrada and it's supposed to be amazing as well. And so yeah, I'm honestly I'm really excited to to get down there and yeah. Do you have to call them arrange this or does it is it arranged for the BYU golf program? Yeah, yeah. Uh Entrada would be through BYU and then Sand Hollow, they're they're pretty accommodating to, to collegiate golfers and so you can just call them and say, Hey, I play on the BYU team. I'd like to come practice if that's okay and you know normally they're they're fine with it and then um i'm buddies with some of the developers out at uh black oh man black desert blackstone the the new course out there (laughs) yeah and they're uh yeah they they've uh talked to me about you know potentially practicing out there in the winter time so do you ever just think to yourself man i just really want I, i mean if it's cold outside you're like man i just really want to go out and play do you ever just brave the cold and you're like, I'm just going to hit a course here. <laughs> you know, no snow on the ground, but I mean, it's still decent conditions. But, you know, maybe it's a little windy, mm-hmm. you know, highs are maybe only in the 30s or something like that. Do you ever think, I'm just going to go out and play anyway? Uh, there's been times, 100%, 100%. But I think it, I'm <laughs> kind of at the point where it's like, you know, like people do it for fun. And obviously I love golf. It's my absolute passion and every it's been my life. But it's also, like I said, it is my life, you know, like... Like, and so if it was 35 degrees, you know, I, w- I want to be able to enjoy it at all times. And, and like I said, there's times where I'm just like, you know, itching to get back out there. And, and that's why I think the break is so good. So then I can kind of, you know, uh, just regenerate myself and, and get that, you know, hunger to play again and get that itch to just, you know, want to be out there, want to, pr- want to play, want to practice and want to get better. When summer comes back or spring comes back and we're playing again here along the Wasatch front, which are favorite course to go play at i love riverside and i love alpine those are my those are my two because i'm a member at alpine that's where i I grew i grew up playing alpine country club and then obviously byu's affiliation with riverside is outstanding and that course is awesome and then i've got i've got a a few buddies who who'll take me up to some of the courses in park city um a few times in the summer so that's yeah, we've we've got a good a good setup here. You made it to the round of 32 in the U.S. Amateur just a few months ago. Two years prior to that, you made it to the round of 16. Are you hoping to play in one more, or is this it? And you're hopefully going to turn professional after this BYU season. Yeah, yeah, I would love to get another chance at it. I, you know, I I'd absolutely lost some sleep over both of those because I feel like, you know, I could have, you know, I I, I could have you know, made it further and had a chance to win. And I would love another shot at it. But at the same time, there's, you know, so many opportunities with professional golf directly following college. And so, you know, my plan right now is to turn pro immediately following the season. And, you know, hopefully things go well. And, you know, I'll play in Canadian Q school in the spring. And, you know, hopefully my ranking gets high enough to where, you know, I'm just able to have status right out the gate and have somewhere to play. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. What are you expecting from the team this season? Are, are, do you think you're trending to make the uh, an NCA regional again and an NCA final again? Because you, you guys finished 21st last season. Yeah, yeah. I I think that everyone is is pretty stung by this fall. I I don't think anyone is comfortable of of, of what we did and, and how we played. And I think we we're all pretty disappointed. And you know, last last year we we had a fantastic spring season and. And everyone, you know, just kind of kicked it into gear and really amped up, 
you know, the focus and the practice and, and just, you know, the, the desire to, to compete and, and be the best. And so I'm hoping we can do that again. And I'm hoping we can, uh, yeah, just kick things back into gear and be extremely competitive and just have that, that hunger, you know, to, to practice and to grind and, and to, you know, accomplish what, what our goals are. If you do make it to the NCAA final again, they have a Thursday through Sunday format, which means because of BYU stance on not playing on Sunday, that means I, I believe you guys would have to play as a team two rounds on Thursday. Is that one right? round? One, one round. round on Thursday. One round on Thursday. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Oh, I'm sorry. So it's is it Friday through Sunday? So it's it's Friday Saturday. It's Friday Saturday Sunday Monday. And Friday's, so we play okay. our Sunday round on Thursday. Thursday. It's either after the I think it's after the girls finish their championship match. So we tee our first tee times at like three thirty, and then we're like from three thirty to like four ten, and we've got like three, three and a half hours to play. And we just, we all go out as solos, just one guy and just in a line. Is is anyone, is anyone else with you from the NCAA or the other teams? Yeah. Yeah. We, we have a walking or I guess, yeah. We, so we have a score that follows us and then there's like, a, there's like two rules officials and then our coaches and family so <laughs> how weird is that just to know it's, it's just like i've got no one else around me i have no one else to measure myself against yeah yeah it's it's pretty weird but honestly like like when i look back at college golf i think it's you know one of my most amazing and like greatest memories like you know not very often you can just have this amazing golf course to yourself and this is you know we did the same thing at the blessings club in arkansas and you know i just remember looking around and just being like man like this is so cool. Like, <laughs> like all like, you know, my, my homies and, you know, my brothers are on every single, you know, everywhere I look, you know, there's one of us on one hole, one of us on the other and on the biggest stage in college golf. And, you know, it's just, it's really cool experience. And, but it's tough because like you said, you can't measure yourself against anyone else. You don't know how you really played because there's like, there's no one to, to compare against. Like there's, you have no idea and, and the conditions are different and you don't, you know, I mean, you're not able to see the reaction of the green when other people hit into it. You're not able to see, you know, the lines of the putts when other people, you know, are putting. So it's tough, but uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's honestly an amazing experience. You finished tied for 76 in the NCAA final last year at 13 over. You already said that you're pretty hard on yourself uh, about how you did, especially when you talked about how you did in the fall season. What are you kind of hoping for? Yeah, I mean, Greyhawk is a, such a good course and it's so demanding. And I just I I was I honestly I really struggled even having won re- the regional uh what a week prior. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what for whatever reason my swing just kind of left me, my short game wasn't wasn't super sharp and and I think just having experience on that golf course in tournament condition is like so so huge so i just i really really am you know excited for us to get back there and and have a chance to to do it again but i mean obviously we have to play well we got to take top five at regionals and and we you know to have a chance but i think if we can get back there i mean we all learned so much about that golf course we we learned so much about you know the tee shots and the positioning and and just everything and i just i think I think we I think we can perform extremely well if if we can get back there. Carson Blundell, thank you so much for joining us here on Behind the Mic. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Behind the Mic. 
Please subscribe and download the podcast through your favorite podcast provider or on the BYU Radio app. Behind the Mic is a production of BYU Radio.